Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. It's Friday the 9th of August. Coming up, homeless shelter on converted bus forced to close. I believe that if I hadn't have gone round there when I did, he wouldn't have been here now. He actually says that now. If he had to pick me up, he believes he would have frozen to death. Fears children could miss out on mental health support. We know that children who have experienced abuse are at a higher risk of experiencing mental health problems. Um, Some of those mental health problems are more resistant to treatment, um, may require different forms of support. And Gillingham get ready for their first home game of the season. It's difficult to to make your home ground a fortress, but it it normally coincides with your home ground a fortress, you get promoted. Kent Online News. First today, the owner of a bus that's been a shelter for homeless people in Sittingbourne for the past two years has been told it's got to close. Tony Cooper converted the single-decker and parked it on Crown Quay Lane after realising there was a problem in the town. But now the council have raised concerns about the lack of toilets and plans to keep the people safe. The 52-year-old's been telling Izzy how he's going to carry on helping rough sleepers. The idea of the bus was set up because because there wasn't anything in Sittingbourne for the rough sleepers, the people that were homeless, the people that were sleeping on the streets. And by saying, by saying Sittingbourne, I don't just mean Sittingbourne. I mean, we do go to other areas. We've got to visit Mason, Canterbury, uh, Faversham, Chatham. So anybody that, if this was empty, anybody could use it, anybody that was homeless. That, that was the idea of me setting it up. Um, and it's, and pardon the pun, it's snowballed since we started using it because uh, when, the, when the beast from the east was here and the snow was on the ground, uh, we had two particular people that were in Sittingbourne, one that was at the railway station sleeping on the, on the snow and one that was sleeping in the local library toilets. Um, and the bus was sitting here usable as in it had beds and it had heating so we put people on it and as I say since then it's it's sort of snowballed and more and more people get to use it every day um, I don't refuse anybody because I wouldn't want to be laying on the street myself you know so somewhere nice and dry somewhere nice and warm somewhere where they're getting fed looked after as I said we, we run the kitchens um, they get their clothes washed They get uh, meals down here at the bus at six o'clock at night. They get meals at dinner time through the week, three times a week through the week. Um, Although there is other places that they can get food. But um, yeah, we we run three of those kitchens. Um, And that was the idea, just to to get people off the streets and into a better better place than being on the street, really. And in terms of um, the uh, council um, getting in contact and their concerns for um, the safety and I know they mentioned toilets as well, mm-hmm. um, um, what do you say about uh, their concerns? Well, the, count, the council, uh, well, actually it was the police, Jason Hedges, he got in contact with me last year. We speak to the police regularly um, and they, they visit here regularly. Um, he spoke to us last uh, October I believe it was and we had a meeting with the council um, who asked us how we was going to move this forward and we said to them look we had toilets here uh, but they were stolen we would like to get new toilets we want to uh, make the bus a better place we want to want to want to extend it and and add to it um, yeah it's taken eight months for the council to come back to us and actually say uh, we want another meeting 
um, about the bus. Well, in fact, it wasn't the council that came to me. It was me that went to the council and said, I went to Fiona Dawson from KCC and she said, would you like another meeting? I said, yes, I do, I would. So it was actually me that asked for the meeting that was last Wednesday. Um, and yeah, as I say, they, they came to us in December. They've not, not, we've not spoken to the council, read the bus or any, any of our needs since then. So really it's a case of out of sight, out of mind, if, if the truth be known. Um, yes, the, the council have come to us now. Um, and we've had a meeting with the council now. Yes, we agreed to close it on the 2nd of September, but only if they stick to their part of putting anybody that's staying on the bus at the time in temporary accommodation or permanent accommodation. The only good point I'd like to say is, is, is it's pushed us into getting our charity status now, um, which the paperwork was all signed. Um, it's been dealt, been being dealt with since last Wednesday. It was signed this morning um, and it's going in the post tonight. So. Uh, hopefully within the next couple of weeks we'll have charity status we'll, which will get us funding and it will help us either move on with another bus or it will help us move on with a building that as I said to you can be a hub where everything can be under one roof and that will be the kitchens, the support for the people, the rehabilitation for the people, um, everything, all, everything under one roof. Uh, that's my ideal scenario for these people that need the help. Um, I've said it many times, you could help anybody along a street, feeding them every day, but it's the support. You need to stop and speak to them, um, you, need to, you need to engage with these people, you need to build their trust, um, you, need to, you need to make sure, see the needs of these people. You can't just leave them and, oh, I'll be back tomorrow with a, with a, a, pie, and a pie and a pack of crisps, that's no good. You need, you need to engage with these people and make sure that they continue with their support. If they've got meetings, be there with them. If they've got letters, make sure they answer them. Do you know what I mean? If, if, if they, that they read them and they, they deal with them. Um, and as I say, that's what, what we're hoping to do. But uh, it's all more about support. And that's, that's where we started, that's where we came in. I was out on the streets, I've been out on the streets helping people for years. Um, but when I moved to Sittingbourne, there just wasn't anywhere. And I was fed up with phoning um, out of hours and actually when it was in the winter and saying, is SWEP activated? First of all, they'd ask me who, what SWEP was. Once I'd explained it to the person at the end of the phone, then whoever I was standing with at the time would, get, would speak to the council and they would come back, no, sorry, you're on priority, um, which made me decide to get a bus. It was the easiest thing at the time. Um, it was it was just better than better than people being on the streets. It's all about helping people. If you help people, people will move on. People will, will get themselves back into society, and that's what I want to do. Kent Online reports: Dozens of migrants have made the dangerous journey across the English Channel to Kent today. Police, the Coast Guard, and Border Force officers have been conducting a search and rescue operation after a number of small boats were spotted off the coast of Dover this morning. Three men have appeared in court accused of plotting to murder two brothers from Canterbury. They were arrested after a gun was found in a field shortly after a car was stopped on the A28 near Saar in May. The 24, 25 and 35-year-olds denied conspiracy to murder and are due to go on trial in April. 
A man and woman responsible for running brothels in Maidstone and Tunbridge Wells have been ordered to pay back more than £50,000. The 46- and 37-year-olds were behind a prostitution ring, which was also included properties in parts of Surrey and London. They were arrested in 2016 after more than £23,000 in cash was found at his home in Chatham. Both were given suspended prison sentences last December, but they could be sent to jail if they fail to pay back the money. Kent Online News. There are concerns more than 55,000 children in Kent and Medway could miss out on the mental health support they need when changes are made to the NHS. From next year, clinical commissioning groups which plan health services are set to be reduced and will cover larger areas. The NSPCC is calling for the health service to set out how it plans to prioritise the needs of vulnerable young people who've been abused or neglected. Janaya Walker is from the charity. The NSPCC has published stats today um, which look at the number of children who may be sidelined under changes to the NHS. Um, This is based on research we do looking at commissioners' plans for children and young people's mental health and we want to make sure that going forward with changes under the NHS long-term plan that the mental health needs of the most vulnerable children are prioritised in the coming years. What are your particular concerns? What are the changes in the NHS that you think could be detrimental in moving forward if nothing's done? So the changes that are expected to happen on the NHS are that the current structures um, for commissioning children and young people's mental health are set to change. Um, Local NHS commissioners, known as clinical commissioning groups, um, are going to fall in number and we're going to move towards much bigger partnerships which bring together commissioners and providers um, to deliver services. What the NSPCC is concerned about is how well or to what extent the particular mental health needs of the most vulnerable children are prioritised within these plans. Um, We're not sure what the structures or the processes are that are going to be in place to make sure that these children are prioritised as they have been done um, in the last few years. And is this um, a long-term issue that needs to be addressed or are these changes going to happen quite soon? Can you give a timescale to it? So the changes are expected from 2020, so next year, um, but we'll go on for a long period. Um, We're particularly concerned as... We know that the NHS is under immense pressure um, in the context of limited funding and some of the concerns around funding for children and young people's mental health. We really want to make sure that in the initial stages, as these plans are implemented, that the needs of these particular children, um, children who have been abused, the most vulnerable children, are front and centre in those plans. So from your point of view, is it a case of making sure that this particular issue isn't forgotten about and is kind of kept at the top of the agenda moving forward? Absolutely, yes. So the NSPCC, we know that children who have experienced abuse are at a higher risk of experiencing mental health problems. Um, Some of those mental health problems are more resistant to treatment, um, may require different forms of support. So it's really important that these children are are prioritised, are front and centre as the NHS undergoes changes over the coming years. And as mental health becomes less stigmatised, I guess, and and we're openly talking about it more, are you noticing that young people uh, are coming to you more often because they, they want support? 
We would hope so. I think that, as you've said, there's been a real shift in recent years in terms of the stigma attached to mental health. But we do know that there, some of the problems that these children will experience are quite complex, particularly when we're talking about post-traumatic stress disorder and these kind of things. And they will require interventions and services um, which are more complex, which can't always be provided with general mental health planning. And that's why they need to be prioritised in the early stages so they're not missed out. Kent Online reports. A cat that became a local celebrity by hanging around a supermarket in Ashford has died following a dog attack. Sammy was often spotted near the Asda on Kimberley West but was injured by someone's pet on Wednesday and died while vets were trying to save her life. An online fundraising page has been set up to help pay for the treatment. More than £500 has already been donated. We're being warned to expect strong winds in Kent tomorrow. A yellow weather alert comes into force at midnight. Forecasters say we could get gusts of up to 60 miles per hour on the coast and around 40 inland. We already know the siege at Dover Castle has been cancelled while military planes due to fly at a display in Headcorn may be grounded. Firefighters have been called to Margate after a blaze broke out in a cornfield. An area of land the size of 10 rugby pitches caught a light on Broadley Road in the early hours of this morning. No one was hurt and it's not known yet how the fire started. A large snake has been spotted on a cricket pitch in Sittingbourne. At Kent Online you can see a picture of what's thought to be an albino python at the Grove yesterday afternoon. The pet's owner apparently bought it out because it needed some sun. Kent Online Sport. Footballers in Kent could now be sent to a sin bin if they show dissent towards the ref. The new rules are being introduced at grassroots football, including Sunday League and children's games. It's similar to what's already done in rugby union, with referees giving players 10-minute suspensions. Earlier I spoke to Nick Dunn, who's a referee development officer at the Kent FA. In short... Um, any player on on the pitch at any one time who is playing and shows verbal or physical dissent against a decision that the match official has made will receive um, a yellow card as as per um, the the laws of the game and that has been in operation for for years gone by, but will now also serve a period of time off the field of play as a as a punishment. So for any ninety minute fixture, which is predominantly adult football they'd receive 10 minutes in the simbin and any um, any fixture that is less than 90 minutes so predominantly again youth football and um, they'll serve a period of eight minutes in the simbin and what do you make of this idea do you think it's going to do anything to reduce the number of incidents like this uh, yeah I, I believe so um I think it gives match officials a, a an additional tool in their player management toolbox to help manage the game of football um, they don't have to go straight to using the sim bin um, it just adds a, another layer in terms of that management aspect to the game um, but also it allows players to to self-police dissent and, and ultimately they don't want to be playing against opponents with a, a numerical disadvantage so hopefully it will just help improve the overall match day experience and if we can eradicate the players that are showing any forms of dissent against match officials and um, ultimately it's going to be a, be a bonus. And have you seen any sort of increase in bad behaviour towards referees over the years? Um, there has been um, and I think it, it's something that has been growing over the years um, so for, for this to come in is, is going to be 
a positive move forward. Um, like I said, if it improves the overall behaviour and, and the match day experience, not only for for referees, but for, for players and team administrators, then it's going to have a, a positive impact on the game as a whole. Um, like anything that's, that's new in the game, um, it will take time to, to embed. But I think once it becomes second nature, then it will be a positive aspect. And do you think if this goes well at grassroots level, it could be brought in higher up? Um, potentially, yeah. Um, but that'll be obviously down to, to the FA to decide whether or not that's of benefit. I mean, we, we sometimes see um, poor behaviour and, and ill-discipline right at the top level of the game. And, and when you have those role models and those um, people that, that young people look up to, then when they see behaviour that we have done in the past, then it, it certainly doesn't help us manage the grassroots level of the game. So um, whether or not it comes in, not quite sure. Would it be a good thing if it does? I would say so. Um, but yeah, hopefully hopefully time will tell in, in terms of that. Yeah, because a lot of kids obviously watching footballers on TV, they see them perhaps being a bit aggressive and answering back to referees. Do you think this will maybe make them think again about doing that themselves in their own games? I would say so. Um, regardless of, of age, I think any player, if you if you said to them that if you kind of dissent against match official decisions, then it's ultimately going to end up in, in you missing percentage of the game then hopefully they will think twice about about doing that but but certainly from a from a young age group um and a young player's perspective moving forward if they know that this is now the punishment and they're going to miss a a significant chunk of the the game then um you like to think they would think twice about either opening their mouth and and venting against um, these decisions and um, and kind of think twice, really. So do you think that referees who are looking after games across Kent will have a bit of an easier time of it after these new rules are brought in? Hopefully, uh, because it will allow us to retain certainly more referees um, and won't lose referees to um, kind of poor behaviour, uh, and that's not what we want. So, yeah, hopefully it just provides a bit more of a tool and um, a bit more of a, an opportunity for for match officials to to say to players, actually, look, if you if you're gonna dissent and you're gonna give me a bit of abuse, then um, you're gonna miss some of this game. So hopefully, it will make life easier for for certainly our grassroots referees. And finally today, Gillingham welcomed Burton Albion to Priestfield this weekend for their first home game of the season. The Jills drew one all with Doncaster Rovers in their opening game last week. We've been chatting to boss Steve Evans, who says he wants to bring in some more new signings. You know, we we said we're we're working progress. You know, we're working really hard to strengthen the group as well. You know, we need to strengthen the group. We're, we're well aware of that, our chairman is. Our supporters are the ones that came to Doncaster and has watched us in pre-season, will see that as well. Um, but there's a lot of confidence in the group as well. There's a lot of confidence in the lads we've got. We're never going to go and sign superstars this year because we don't have the funds to do that, but we can sign good, solid players that, that help the group. Certainly by the time we go through the window, maybe two or three, maybe maybe one more. It just depends on if we one or two leave the building, there's, there's no secrets, those boys have been available for a lot while now. Um, and if they want to play football, they'll leave. We'd like to think we're stronger in different areas now. Um, we'd like to think our shape is a little bit better, we're more organised. And that's not decrying, but it's just different styles last year. Does not make it right or wrong? You know, my home record at Peterborough United wasn't great. We didn't lose many. We drew a lot, and that, and that's because we teams come to set up to, to play against our style and, and succeeded in that a lot. But it's it's difficult to, to make your home ground a fortress. But it it normally coincides if your home ground's a fortress, you get promoted.
I think, you know, I was there the other night at Rotherham. I think people do recognise we're one of the bottom six budgets in the league and maybe in the bottom four or five. It's um, And that always gives opposition teams coming here the belief that they'll come and win. Um, if you look at Botton Albion, who we play on Saturday, they're a well-run football club with a good chairman in Ben Robinson. Nigel's a friend of mine and, and they've got a real good squad of players put together. There's high hopes that this will be their year to go back to the championship after being out a season. And they were in terrific form at the end of last season. But when opposition come here, we just, we just have to set ourselves up that we would to try and win a game. And there's no better place to have come here and lost, of course. I come here with Rotherham and lost in a, in a big game against the Jails. And the place was rocking and bouncing, as I've seen some videos of the likes of Cardiff. And, and that's what we're going to need for home games. When, when the home fans are at it, the atmosphere is tremendous. It makes players want to play. And um, we want our players to go. We don't want them too relaxed, but we want them to to get in the spirit and the belief that every person and sitting in three three stands in this ground are right behind them. And there's going to be lapses at times when we get the ball away. We're going to go behind. We're, go, we're going to be tested at times. And that's that's when you really find out what supporters are like. You know, I've I've been fortunate to be at Ellen Road as manager and to be at, at the New York Stadium. When you go behind, it, it seems to galvanise supporters and get behind you. And that's what it's been like here. It was like certainly like under Hesse, mm-hmm. under Justin in the early days, and we need that now because if we, if we're going to get ourselves consistent in that top table and fighting for top six, it has to be you know the, the little phrase the football clubs come out with: "We're in this together." We have to be in it together to be successful. If you, if people are pulling the rope in different directions, you're never successful. Defender Lee Hodgson is one of 11 new signings made by the club this summer. He's been telling us what fans can expect from him. It's been it's been good. It's, uh, I've really enjoyed it so far. Um, it's been hard work, but um, at the end of the day, yeah, it's hard work on a Saturday. So if you're prepared to work hard during training week and week out, you can replicate and take it onto the pitch on Saturday um, but no I've enjoyed it it's, you know there's been a great there's a great group of lads downstairs and uh, it's always easier walking into a dressing room when when they make you feel welcome and um, everyone, everyone sort of uh, helps you settle in really quickly so I think that's uh, been a massive factor of of uh, me settling in here as quick as I have done you know with, with the lads and obviously the manager and the staff you know everyone everyone's made me feel welcome so um, no, it's been it's been good and enjoyable so far, and hopefully um, we can uh, ha- have a good season. Hopefully, if if I get the opportunity to to start on uh, Saturday, um, you know, I just want to give everything for the team, uh, give a hundred hundred percent work rate, um, and and try to, you know, if I can, um, give something going forward. But as a defender, you know, my first thought is to to defend and help the team out defensively, and if I can get forward and create chances and you know add, add, add assists and you know set up some goals to the team then um, you know that, that's, that's something that I'd like to sort of add to my game a bit more if I can but um, if not um, you know I just need to work hard week in week out and you know give everything for the team. Kick off tomorrow's at three. That's it for now but for more news throughout the day you can head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.